0: We are working towards building people's control of the government, building community control of the economy, expanding the public sphere, and creating structural racial equity. Today, my guest is Myesha Johnson, the housing equity organizer for MCU. And today, we're going to talk about issues surrounding housing in St. Louis. Welcome, Myesha, and thanks for being with us.
1: Thanks for having me, Kevin.
0: Great. So you're relatively new as an organizer for MCU, but not new to organizing around housing issues. So tell us about yourself, your experience, and how you came to work for MCU.
1: I've been working with MCU. Um, I started out on the board and then um, started participating in some of their rallies and um, movement that they were having in St. Louis. I began having conversation with David and came to agreement that housing is something that MCU would like to work on. I came on board maybe September, August, um, as the housing equity organizer. We started out with having um, tenant rights education with some of the congregations that we've been working with. St. Anthony's and Centennial has hosted um, a few of them. Um, Centennial has hosted um, a rental clinic um, back in December and plans to hold one soon. We hosted the rental clinic with um, Homes for All tenant organizers, State Street Tenant Resistance, which um, I am one of the co-founders along with Sunny Hutton.
0: Tell us about uh, the different areas that you are going to be focusing on as an organizer with MCU housing and people struggling with housing covers a broad spectrum of, of issues. So what will you be focusing on?
1: Our focus this year for 2022 is to have more affordable housing (laughs) within St. Louis, but also sustainable housing. Affordable um, looks different to um, other folks. And I know it's a lot of conversation within the city as they adjust some of the things that they're working on to um, have a lower AMI. So there's more affordable housing in St. Louis right now it's a little high and a lot of folks aren't able to meet the standards of what is considered affordable at this point. We like to we're working on um, illegal dumping because a lot of folks. Um, pests start showing up, showing up in some of their homes and businesses due to the illegal dumping and. Um, The ones that are dumping, the punishment isn't huge. You know, it's a $500 fine if they're caught or um, three days in jail. After speaking with um, some repeated offenders, they said they'd rather pay the fine than having to pay to go to a landfill. Tenant rights is huge for organizing around housing right now, because there's like only three rights that really secure tenants. Landlords have like six that secure them um, as a landlord. And right now, a lot of landlords are being predatorial. Um, Mold, lead and air quality is very huge in housing. Um, A lot of children, develop um, learning disabilities, speech impediments, um, behaviors due to lead. And ACLU did a study, oh, I say a year or two ago, where they were starting to go into prisons and learned that um, a lot of the prisoners that they spoke with had once upon a time suffered from lead poisoning. So we're learning that it's a long-term effect. We're also uh, pushing for Ameren not to um, hike their rate costs due to the fact that if they hike their rate costs, that a lot of residents will not be able to sustain in their home. You know, they they may not properly have um, the right inst- installation in their home, so it would cause the um, heat to have to be turned up high for those who are all electric, um, as well as those who have spire, their bills exceed during the cold winter times. And this winter has already started out as a very cold winter. So I'm sure, you know, people are starting to see a change in their bills. Just really push for um, folks to understand what it is to be sustainable in the home. Not everyone knows what that looks like because we're so used to having to work or push for what we feel like is sustainable housing. But it looks really different when you look at it um, from policy and from economic perspectives.
0: When you say sustainable, are are you talking about just uh, people being able to be in a stable housing situation? Or when you talk about sustainable or or is that an environmental (laughs) term that you use?
1: Sustainable. Um, I would say both. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Um, I use it as an environmental term to, um, for folks to recognize that there, um, is a rising in many homes as far as their children catching lead. Uh, Mm So uh, two to three folks in the home have asthma and it, um, pushes them to have to have ER visits, which adds medical bills on to the pile of bills that's already piling up and they're trying to um, keep minimized. Um, Also, it causes the parent to lose wages because they have to take off for work to to tend to the child. It um, causes the child to get behind in school because the child misses school when they have an attack. Often Medicaid will pay for these, the medicines to help when a child is having an attack. But I've been seeing lately that parents need extra um, at times and it's not available.
0: What you're describing sort of goes to the old adage that poverty is expensive. Yes, it really is. One thing on top of another tends to add more bills to someone who has low income than it would be to somebody who has a healthy uh healthy living situation
1: yes 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 so um, to push for um landlords to make sure that their their housing is brung up to code the proper inst- installation the proper um airways be cleaned and um you know, the furnace get cleaned as it's supposed to. I think it's every six months that a furnace Mm -hmm. um, is supposed to be cleaned. Also just pay attention, pay attention to um, what's going on around your home, the cracks in the foundation, you know, um, those are often things we do not pay attention to. There are different ways to um, address the issue on your own, but these are really things that landlords need to be um, addressing because it's their property, they're their owners, and if you're a renter, it is not your responsibility to address these things. Often, um, renters try to address it instead of reaching out to the landlord it's the I don't want to be a bad tenant. I don't want to be the one that always complain. I don't want to put myself and my children at risk by um, falling this, you know, complain or putting this work order in. Will he um, raise the rent if I continue to have him come over? These are often things that go through a renter's head and. Um, it halts them on being advocating for themselves and their family.
0: So there's almost a, a fear of, of having an antagonistic relationship with your, the person that holds the power over where you live then. Yes, yes. Okay. So that, that sort of gets to that tenant bill of rights um, mm-hmm. and you saying that there needs to be more protection for renters to be able to speak up, to be able to speak their mind. So, what what is what is in that tenant bill of rights? What does that include?
1: Right now, we're having conversations with community because often these these policies and changes are put in place without communities' uh, voices being heard, and that is important. We can always say what we believe is needed in these spaces. Mm-hmm. But it often doesn't um, support what is really needed in the communities, the black and brown communities that we serve, the ones that miss a lot of resources.
0: So it sounds like you're doing some listening first. Uh, do you have any examples of, of where you've done that so far and how that's gone?
1: So Homes for All has have been hosting um, a tenant bill of rights public meetings where they've invited folks um, from different communities to come into a space and talk, have conversation around tenant Bill of Rights and what they would like to see. Um, I know Action St. Louis has uh, sent out the People's Movement petition and they're working on that and that space in the city of St. Louis also have been having conversations on what that looks like. Me, myself, I have been in different spaces, so I work with State Street Tenant Resistance, so they're part of Homes for All, and we have conversations with the communities that we um, work with, so we've been working with Forest Park Apartments, and they've put in um, what they would like to see put in, implemented into um, a Tenant Bill of Rights. We've been canvassing and door knocking in Dutchtown and um, Maryville community and um, speaking with those individuals on what they would like to see um, in a tenant bill of rights. We plan to meet sometime um, in the spring to combine what all the information that we've gathered and come up with what state streets and homes for all believes a, a good tenant bill of rights would be for the communities that we serve in St. Louisans.
0: So, if, if you're talking to uh, an individual or a family, what what are some of the things that continually comes up? What are what are some of those those common threads that you hear?
1: A lot of them um, have gotten behind in rent during COVID season, um, due to the fact of um, layoffs, um, hours being cut. Not not having enough to maintain, you know, the needs during this season, you know, being able to keep the family safe, making sure everyone has a mask, making sure the home is clean, buying extra cleaning products. Um, that has hindered them from being able to keep up with their bills. So the utilities have been getting sh- cut off um, whether if it's the uh, Spire or the amaran, it's becoming um, a common issue in the communities that we serve. Also, uh, keeping up, keeping food in the home has also been an issue. Even though there's food pantries, um, often, sometimes the food's outdated, so it's not even um, edible for the families to even prepare a meal if they're not using it that day or the next day. We see the, the, the prices for food, um, for meads and common use things in the stores um, rising as the months roll out and that's becoming another issue. The landlords raising rents, the landlords switching um, owners you know, has been um, another common issue that has been spoken of when speaking to renters and the need to move and not enough affordable housing.
0: So you had mentioned raising of rent and and possibility of evictions. We've, we've heard a lot over the last couple of years about moratoriums on evictions and that's been spotty depending on where you live and who's enforcing what uh, so what what's kind of the status right now generally in the St. Louis area uh, with our evictions taking place and 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 what what can someone do if they're facing that
1: the evictions are still high in the city mm-hmm. and in the county the numbers are in the thousands there is mediation um, that they can um, get involved with. And there are um, other entities that are, that are um, working on eviction prevention. Um, Equal Housing Opportunity Coalition, EHOC, um, they're also working on evi- eviction prevention. They also connect folks to mediation. They have been um, working with getting some folks rental assistance to be able to keep them in their home, as well as Legal Services of Eastern Missouri and Arch City Defenders.
0: Now, you had mentioned when we'd started out that there have been a series of rental clinics that have happened. Uh, uh, What what happens at a rental clinic?
1: Yes. So... um, Homes for All have been um, working with MCU on hosting some of the rental clinics. And um, in those spaces, they will help the client, um, the resident or renter, um, apply for funding. We do know that the um, ERA funding has used all of its funding and... um, SAFER and the new funding um, will have its new rollout in February. So there will be new funding that um, renters will be able to apply for coming in February. But right now, everything is halted in those two spaces due to um, funds being um, dissolved at the moment. I think it's like 2000 in the city and almost 3000 in the county that is on the list um waiting for the funds from the earlier Erap money they will be a priority when the new funding comes out
0: So so is this federal funding for rental assistance that you're talking about
1: Rental and utility assistance
0: okay. yes Okay and and we're we're waiting for that Additional money to come from the federal government is that what I'm hearing from you?
1: Yes, yes, it uh, I was told by the city that we should receive it um, the beginning of February. it we should start um, hearing of payments going out. There's some folks like places for people um, international institute um, Missouri um veterans endeavor they've been like making sure that the folks that they work with are able to stay in their home and giving some assistance around that i know and um maplewood there was an um new ordinance put in place um if a landlord illegally evicted, illegally locked out a tenant, that each day that the tenant calls in is a new case that is open on that landlord. So each day that the tenant calls into nine one one, it it's an it's considered a new case. It would not be a continuous case um, built up by a landlord and. It, there's a fine that goes behind that as well okay. for each case. There are folks working on um, moving some things to better secure tenants during this time, but um, it's moving a little slow, just as it is, then okay. to get the Tenant Bill of Rights you know, set up. And this is something... We, we know it can be done because it was done in Kansas City and this is something we would like to see along the Midwest not just in the state of Missouri or in st. Louis
0: I'm gonna jump back a moment when you were talking about sustainable you had mentioned ami uh, that, that that's a, a like an affordability index is that what I understand
1: uh-huh. okay yes
0: so does that that means when you said that ami is high that means it's uh the the average rent is too expensive for most people. is that correct?
1: It, right now, and I think it's at eighty percent of what a person the annual income that a person brings in. and um who can afford that yeah. <laughs> with the with the rising prices of um food, clothing, gas, you know, um, the utilities, even housing. How how can we continue to um, say that folks are um, able to live in this moment, and we know it's really a struggle right. <laughs> for these folks to survive.
0: So that pressure is if in if income stay the same, but housing cost goes higher, then the percentage of your income that goes to housing it, it, uh, becomes unsustainable uh when it comes Mm -hmm. to being able to pay for everything else in in the household then
1: yes yes so a bill might not get paid um the children's needs might not get met Mm -hmm. you know um important things get dust up under the rug due to the fact that i don't have it right now you know and a lot of folks are prioritizing is this really a need is this a necessity um, at this moment? Can it be put off for a while? And what I'm seeing is a lot of health things are getting pushed to the side for folks to be able to pay bills and maintain their homes.
0: So if someone is facing an, an issue like this, what 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 is the first step that they need to do? If they're facing uh, not being able to pay bills or rent or possibly even uh, facing eviction, eviction, who do they call? How do they... they get some immediate help?
1: Well, if you reach out to um, Legal Services of Eastern Missouri, they um, have some resources. They also have um, some funding and helping folks with uh, rental. Um, They will connect them with mediation. Um, Also, uh, EHOC has a team of lawyers that um, have been going into the courts to see how they can assist, but they also will connect folks with um, mediation. There is a prevention and transition program with the um, MHDC. MHDC is also working on funding to move folks into a, a better space. When uh, dealing with an unhabitable uh, home,
0: so is the, the uh, mediation group, um, is that um, the St. Louis Mediation Project?
1: Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yes, um, it is.
0: And you can call them at 314-833-0226. Um, you can also go to their website at stlmediationproject.org.
1: Yes. And they're real good. I had a client that I was working with Um The owner has sold it to a a new uh, property owner and they started asking folks, you know, giving them certain times to leave. The few folks that stayed, some of them were paid a thousand dollars to move out. There were uh, some that just went ahead and left when they were first asked to leave. And then I had one tenant that wanted to stay and, um, Lease wasn't up until um, April of 2022. And in conversations with that individual, one time the landlord said they can stay, another time the landlord tried to say that they felt that they were being threatened. And so they wanted them out immediately. And so we moved forward with having conversations with mediation. Once we connected with them and told them the story, We realized that both parties have to be um, willing to have conversation with them. So um, if the landlord isn't willing or if the tenant isn't willing, it's hard for them to mediate it. We were able to um, keep the tenant in place until the end of their lease at the same um, rate of rent that they were paying. But when their lease is up, they will not be able to renew it. So mediation does help once you get them involved and both parties are willing to work with one another.
0: So you had mentioned um, properties changing hands. Is is that uh, generally something that happens?
1: So we know it's been going on for a while, Kevin. Um, back when we first started organizing with state streets, we've noticed that there um, were landlords that were family members like There was a group of brothers that bought a lot of property in Missouri um, from Kansas City to St. Louis. And they would like play hot potato with the properties. If this property became too much under this individual's name, they would, you know, put it under the, the brothers, the next brother's name. And the more research we did in that um, space, we found out that they were doing it with a lot of their properties that they owned in Missouri.
0: You had mentioned uh, when we started this this idea of self-eviction. Can you describe what that is and and what happens and and how this puts pressure on on tenants?
1: In order for a landlord to evict, it usually will have to go through the courts. There will be a court date, and you will appear in front of a judge. A lot of folks, instead of going to court, will leave the space and pack up all their belongings and relocate. This often means they may become homeless, unhoused. Um, They may have to go stay with a family member. And it also uproots the child from the school district that they're in. Self-eviction is... uh, and it is becoming more of the go-to thing during this season for a lot of folks because they don't know their rights. They don't know the resources to keep them in space and don't know how to tell their story. Storytelling is a huge thing in this um, space because when they're able to tell their story on how they got to where they are now, that is what helps them get to the next level. And often they just get tired of telling the story over and over and over again, and they, you know, just decide, well, I'm just gonna go stay with a family member until I can get into another space, or um, getting shut down in spaces of, you know, the funding running out or, you know, even when they go to shelters, I had um, been working with some churches trying to get folks into spaces because if you, some of these shelters, if you're not um, on their list by our roster by 12 o'clock, you don't have a space, you know, there's nowhere for you to go. So um, we're realizing that there's a need even for the unhoused folks to um, have a warm space even the the temperatures have dropped to single digits over the last week. So we know that it's a necessity. And I wanna thank the city for picking folks up on the warm bus and um, you know, finding space for them. But can we work towards finding them a permanent space?
0: And when someone, whether it's an actual eviction or even a self-eviction, How does that impact their ability to rent at the next place? Is there any sort of a record that stays with folks that makes it even more difficult for them to qualify for the next place?
1: So an eviction would stay um, under their name on CaseNet for five years. So the first one is five years. Then the second one will add another five years each case adds another five years to that person's name within five years they usually um start to drop off and give them space to um look for another place a lot of times they if um they've had several evictions they will have to look for a private landlord which that is kind of scarce right now as well Um, There are second chance landlords. Um, CDC has been working a lot with second chance landlords to get um, unhoused folks, um, individuals with um, felonies, and folks that have um, a lot of evictions connected to second chance landlords.
0: And are there any um, legislative solutions that we're going to be fighting for either locally in municipalities or at Jefferson City?
1: So I do know that um, MCU is working on changing policy around um, lead in schools and how to address it and lead in homes. Um, Schools is something that um, often isn't spoken of. In 2017, there were high levels of lead in the schools, so the water fountains were marked off, and was a real concern for a lot of city folks and parents. So that's one thing that we're working on. Um, Jenny Schmidt and Sir um, Crosley, the councilwoman in Maplewood, has pushed um, for an ordinance. Under their municipalities, there is a $200 to $1,000 penalties. The landlord can face up to 90 days, um, and this has been approved. They're speaking with the city manager to also implement this ordinance um, for St. Louis City. I know... uh, Carter Gibson with the county and Lacey have really been pushing for uh, more sustainability in that area to prevent illegal evictions. And also, they're in agreement that there does need to be a tenant bill of rights. As I said... State Street is also working on um, a tenant bill of rights, Christina and Gracia and Yusef Scrogan. They're working on some um, to address some of the city issues around this matter and hopefully we'll have something soon to um, implement and to change. Also, there um has been talk about educating police officers on how to address illegal evictions and proceed in
0: that space. What's the hope for having new low cost housing in the region and, and what needs to be happening?
1: Yeah, so um I know that there is roba which is um, education. They will be providing education on what home ownership looks like for first-time homeowners and um, Black and Brown communities. There will be some funding to assist them with purchasing a home. And these homes will be brought up to building code by the city. Also, Urban League um, has received some property in the College Hill area and will be working on some stuff in that, um, some building up in that area and allowing um, more affordable housing in that space.
0: So as we kind of uh, move things towards our conclusion here, what events do you have coming up in the next few months?
1: We really plan to have a housing public meeting in May to get folks um, riled up and join the work in the EJ housing um, work and change for policy in St. Louis. So that will be coming in May and then um, congregations will have the opportunity to be part of the housing task force that will um, be rolling out in June.
0: What gives you hope as an organizer? What keeps you moving?
1: What keeps me moving is as, as I continue to have conversations with um, organizations, congregations, um, community members, renters, that I'm not the only one that sees that there's a housing issue and um, that there's a need for affordable housing. There's a need for a tenant bill of rights. There's a need for um, renters to be able to become sustainable during this time. And to gather everyone to, uh, one, see that there's a need for those things, and to work together to push for a change in their spaces and get more um, Congress women and men and those who have electoral seats to be more involved in the work that is needed around this. Um, we can't do it by ourselves, but we will continue to push until those others join, um, join the fight. And we need more folks like Cori Bush, <laughs> who um, instead of taking a break Sat on the set on the steps of the White House to uh, move forward what she believed in. We appreciate comrades like her that show up and show out and you know push for movement in those spaces.
0: Thank you for this extensive conversation today. I appreciate you being here and, and letting us in on this and and we'll check back in with you as, as things sort of firm up and, and that task force comes together. That sounds exciting.
1: Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin.
0: Good. And again, our guest today was Myesha Johnson, a housing equity organizer for MCU. If you're ready to join us in the work for justice in the St. Louis area, contact us at 314-367-3484 or email us at office at mcustl.com. You can learn more and contribute to Metropolitan Congregations United on our website. MCUSTLewis.org. And also be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for news and events. I'm Kevin Prang, and you've been listening to This Is What Democracy Sounds Like. Tune in again next time, and thank you for listening.